in-season tournament madness. The cup games were wild on Monday night. We'll break it all down for you here on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen. We appreciate you guys being with us five days a week. You can catch John Corrales and Jake Madison on Wednesdays. You can catch Nick Angstat and Path the Designer on Thursdays. And on Fridays, Wes Goldberg and Adam Mares. But today, it's Matt Moore and David Ramil. Glad to be with you as we get to do the show after the first ever night of NBA in-season tournament knockout stage. And what a night it was, David. We had absolutely incredible games with the Pacers and knocking off the Celtics. Two upsets. Pacers knock off the Celtics and the Pelicans knock off the Kings. We'll talk about those games in detail. We'll talk a little bit about James Harden's interview with The Athletic and his continuing complaints about not being treated fairly. Uh, and we'll preview tomorrow night's games in the IST. Want to let you know that today's Show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. All right, David, let's get right into it, man, uh, because there's a lot to kind of get into. Let's start here. Um, one of the, the there was a lot of questions about this tournament. There was a lot sure. of questions about what this was going to be like. Would the players care? Would the fans care? Would this be stupid? Would this just be like unnecessary? All of these types of questions the usual amount of uh, skepticism and cynicism that surrounds society today, especially online. And instead everyone kind of got into the tournament, the group games and we're like, Hey, these are pretty good. Like these games are actually like pretty good. The teams are really trying and everybody's rested and it's competitive and like everybody's going for it. And then there was this knockout stage and there was this like, okay, what's it going to be like? And from like the tip, it was really great to see that in a place like Indiana, that, yeah. The, the you know the announcers talked about it the reporters there were tweeting about it the crowd was electric both teams were into it you have this young team taking the stage and pulling off this major upset i can't think of a better way for the in season tournament knockout stage to begin it was an incredible initiation i don't know if it's built up the kind of hype that would attract like casual fans or peripheral fans the same way the playoffs do like the playoffs is just as it's a brand that's already been well established but if you were just tuning into basketball and, and you're not following any of the four teams that were involved tonight, I think you would still feel caught up in the emotions of it. It was a fantastic performance in both games, down to the wire for both. Well, maybe not so much against Sacramento. But more overall, they were really close games, very tightly contested, a lot of energy and excitement. You felt like there were stakes that both teams, all four teams, I should say, were playing for. And that's all you need, really. That's the kind of excitement that you're looking to build for something like that. It felt like something tangible. It's been building up to this point, and I really love that the game's manifested all that goodwill and energy into something really positive. Pacers, you know, the first quarter was really low scoring, which is very rare for Pacers games. And then second quarter, the Celtics settled in a little bit and built themselves a lead at the half. And it was kind of like, okay, this was fun, but like the Celtics are the best team in the league. They're going to go ahead and take care of business. And the Pacers came out at halftime, and one guy in particular, Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. It was so cool for – I try and remember that there are, like, the league pass sickos, right? Oh, yeah. Like we are. And that if you're listening to the show, that you, you're watching Halley and you're talking about him, and you're like, God, he's so good. Because other people that watch these know 
but there's a lot of fans that like are fans of the NBA that watch on, you know, Wednesdays on ESPN, Thursdays on TNT, Fridays on ESPN and the weekend games when they start. And for the Pacers to get this opportunity on this stage and for people to get to see how special Tyrese Halliburton is this year, how much he is an engine that his passes are so both creative and on point that his shooting is so like, this is a problem for him when he got to Indiana. It's like they had to talk him into shooting more. And it's right. really cool to see him come out there and put together this type of performance as he goes for 26 points, 10 rebounds, 13 assists, a plus 15, 10 of 18 shooting, 5 of 11. The four-point play that he had uh, on Jalen Brown late in the game, like crowd absolutely went ballistic. He feeds Neesmith for the Duncan transition. It was really awesome to see uh, Tyrese Halliburton get this kind of stage. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I was just thinking to myself as I was watching this game, there's some kid out there who's probably watching Halliburton for the first time maybe, and just he, he might be his favorite player after tonight's performance because he's that kind of an electric player. Like I was there on Thursday night of last week when he was in Miami and he scored his career high 44 points. And Wes and I, you know, my co-hosts, were just shaking our heads the whole time because it's just an unbelievable performance, albeit in a loss. Miami didn't wind up having their best offensive performance of the season, but Halliburton's such a unique player. You can't count him out of any play. There's no amount of range that's out of his in terms of shooting, and and he just does so much for this team. I'm glad you brought up his passing because he is just an incredible engine for this team, but so much fun and a hell of a performance today. Give credit to Boston in the first half. They really flattened Indiana's offense out, took Halliburton mostly out of the, the game. He only wound up having single digits, I think eight points total in the first half, and then wound up having a much better performance in the second half. Miles Turner was putting up way too many shots. They were kind of daring him to, to be a much more aggressive scorer in offense, and he didn't wind up settling down until the second half. So Boston really played their game. I saw this again in that Miami game. If you're physical with Indiana and kind of try to limit their pace because they are so furious and putting up shots so quickly in the shot clock, you could probably hang with them and defend them well enough because their defense is pretty porous. But that was the case tonight in the first half of the second half. It was completely different. Indiana reestablished who they were, got back to their identity of fast paced scoring offense. And they just absolutely blew Boston out of the water in the second half. It was an unbelievable performance. And even with all that, you know, the, the Celtics tie it 105-105 with 157 to go on a Tatum uh, triple threat jumper. Then Halliburton yeah. hits that four-point play. Uh, Buddy Heel comes off and knocks down a monster three. And then Derek White turns the ball over. Neesmith hits that dunk. Whatever. The bench goes wild on that yeah. sequence, the whole arena. It was so awesome to see. Um, I will say... A lot of people made the joke of, oh, hey, you can tell that the, the tournament does have stakes because the Celtics fell apart late in the game. Uh, brutal stuff uh, there. Look, you know, I think the the Celtics are on the road, you know, and if we look at this as a regular season game, which it was, like this is also a regular season game. Um, the, the Celtics were on the road versus a young team. That team pushed a wave of momentum, hit a fair amount of threes. Um, the... Pacers hit seven more threes than Boston. Uh, four of six from Buddy Heald, five of 11 from Tyrese Halliburton, four of seven from Benedict Matherin, who was really good in this game. And uh, that's like really the difference here. So it's it's not necessarily un- unexpected, but like you could just tell that like everyone's going to take notice of, oh, hey, Boston had troubles once again when it came into yeah. winning time. Yeah, I, I mean, look, we should note, no Chris Epps, Porzingis obviously has yeah. been out for a few games. 
Uh, and I think it also kind of magnifies Boston's lack of depth too. Like Al Horford in the starting lineup, but he was doing a pretty solid job again on Turner early on. Although I think he was kind of mitigated in the second half, kind of taken out of the game for the most part, didn't really contribute much offensively. But as for all the talk about Boston's incredible starting unit, and they have been very good, if you're not getting a great or even a very good performance from Drew Holiday, you're kind of just putting the onus of carrying the offense on Tatum and Brown. And they did an incredible job tonight, but that's not nearly enough. Their bench is really thin. They got 15 points from Sam Hauser. Other than that, you're not getting much out of anybody. Peyton Pritchard might have a game here and there, but you're not deep enough as a roster as it's currently constructed. If you lose one of those key starters like Porzingis and if Holiday's not contributing the way he did it tonight, then you're in trouble for Boston. So I think it kind of just magnifies the issues and why the East is still pretty wide open despite Boston being the best team in the Eastern Conference so far. On the other side, there's another ISD game for us to get to. We'll talk about Brandon Ingram leading the Pelicans to a big win over the Kings, sending the Kings no no beam for the in-season tournament, but the Pelicans fly on to Las Vegas. We'll talk about that up next on Locked On NBA. Let's talk about FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Uh, I think I'm probably going to be betting the Eagles this weekend. I understand that everyone's out on the Eagles, but I definitely think that this number is, is too much. For the Eagles getting three points on the road versus the Cowboys. Also in the in-season tournament games, uh, the Knicks are catching four and a half now versus the Bucks. I like the Knicks tomorrow. Uh, I'm very Ooh. we'll talk about why in the final segment, but I'm I like the Knicks tomorrow, and the Lakers are laying two in Los Angeles. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app's easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Christian Wood is a player prop. I'm definitely going to be looking for points and rebounds over tomorrow night in that Suns-Lakers game. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL and NBA season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We'll be right back on Locked on NBA. Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us and joining us every day. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. In the late game tonight, the... New Orleans Pelicans advanced to the Western Conference semifinal in the in-season tournament, knocking off the Sacramento Kings 127-117. And this is just a bad matchup for the Kings, David. Like they this is now the the Pelicans have now uh, clinched season tiebreaker over the Kings because this is three straight for them. The first two were in New Orleans and like okay, you know, the first game the Pelicans are a tough matchup. The second one, well, you've been in New Orleans for four, four days and well, everyone's souls are, are have left their bodies. That's fine. But then, like, this one is in Sacramento, and it's, you know, 500000 on the line, and the Pelicans get, go down early. Yep. 
this game went about how I expected, except for Brandon Ingram, who is sensational tonight, scoring 30 points on 10 of 20 shooting, three of six from three, also added eight boards and six assists. He was fantastic and obviously like the headline of this one. Um, but the big key here, honestly, is the bench. New Orleans bench is phenomenal. And that's what happened is the King starters won their minutes, even with a bad De'Aaron Fox game, especially in the first half. He had so many turnovers. They still had a lead. But then the bench got in and the Pelicans have so much depth when they've, they're able to hit you with Najee Marshall and Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy, the third, who will be back in the starting unit very, very soon. Trey was a plus 24 tonight. They outscored the Kings by 24 points with Trey on the floor. They're getting good minutes from Cody Zeller and Dyson Daniels. You add all that up. Plus you've got the pressure that Zion Williamson puts on the rim. Quiet night for Zion with 10 points on eight shots. They did a very good job of crowding him, but he still yeah. finishes with six boards and six assists, and he won his, won his minutes. So um, even in a game where Sacramento got an incredible performance from Damana Sabonis with 26 points, 13 boards, 10 assists for the triple-double, Fox still somehow got to 30 on 10 of 25 shooting, six turnovers to just four assists for Fox tonight. But really, to me, the story of this was the Pelicans' wing depth is very difficult for teams if you do not have absolutely elite wings to counter them. That, that combo of Murphy and Alvarado injected a, a whole new energy into the game. Alvarado in particular, I think, just <laughs> so pesky, right? And I know that's kind of not derogatory necessarily, but it's just a way of kind of limiting him because of his undersized nature and everything else. But he just goes and finds a way to have this incredible impact, whether it's defensively and hitting big shots. He wound up having, you know, crucial points in that second quarter where New Orleans was able to kind of establish their rhythm a little bit more effectively. And then from that point forward, it was just kind of Brandon Ingram taking over in key moments. But between him and, and Murphy just having that real just a great punch, man. Like, like Sacramento just didn't seem to have an answer. As much as they have some really good players in that roster, their depth is just not able to match up with New Orleans. And when you're getting a strong performance like you did from Ingram, that's enough Not even a great offense. Like, I'll be honest with you. You mentioned the 30 points from De'Aaron Fox, and I had to double-check that because it felt like a really quiet 30 points within the context of the game. It wasn't like game-swinging, momentum-shifting shots or anything like that. Just a steady scoring that's got to come from somewhere in that Sacramento roster. But I think when you look at those performances from the, the, the bench guys in New Orleans, those were much more impactful. They felt like they were momentum-shifting every time they did something on the court. I mean, a good example of this is like Malik Monk went seven of 14 from the field, <laughs> five of nine yeah. from three, and they got outscored yeah. by 17 points with Monk on the floor tonight. Um, yeah. That's rare when Malik has a night like that because he's been really big for the Kings this season. You know, I think the other thing here, the points in the paint, uh, Pell's had a 52-38 advantage, and that checks out when you kind of like JB. go back and look at what Herb Jones was able to do and um, how much they were able to just impact things at the rim. Like yeah. this is... I think to me, this is this is one of the issues with the Kings is, you know, JaVale McGee plays three minutes and 50 seconds. They are just so small. Um, and if Sabonis isn't able to really control that matchup and like Sabonis was good tonight and he won his minutes and usually it's the opposite. But I, I think it's it's tough for the Kings to not have any depth really at center. They don't have any muscle behind him. Trey Lyles is really good last year. And I think he's going to have a good yeah. season again, but he's not like a big guy. He's still like a stretch four. they really need to add, I think some size because the Pelicans are a team that I think just brings a lot of physicality, a lot of force. And this was an offensive centric game, but the Pels defense I did think was, was a better unit on the court than Sacramento's here. 
No, I think that's fair. Uh, I, I think one of the unheralded heroes of the game was Valanciunas, too. He had some uh, really big shots there, just kind of steady pounding in the paint and, and just able to really shift a lot of things in New Orleans' favor, 18 points on the night. Uh, really solid performance from him, but they just find a way to keep attacking the rim, putting pressure there. Uh, it was a good point you made earlier about Williamson. They kind of were clogging the paint a little bit, but that led to the six assists because they had enough shooting from the perimeter to be able to kind of balance it out. So while he wasn't able to penetrate and get those shots at the rim, he was finding those guys open along the perimeter and they were knocking those shots down. Uh, still struggling with CJ McCollum. Though. He did not have a good game tonight. I know he's just well, being welcomed back into the uh, lineup, although he did wind up have, being 7 of 14 for 17 points. A good overall show, uh, showing, but not necessarily the kind of strong performance. But I think we're burring the lead a little bit. Brandon Ingram coming down yeah. that stretch, uh, you had mentioned it before, uh, really big performance, but he was hitting just a variety of shots. It didn't seem like Sacramento had any answer. Whoever they put on him defensively, he was able to kind of just rise up, get to a shot. And it, was, it felt like a big bounce back game for him, considering he's had the struggles in the offseason. And it's kind of been some tough go over the first few games of the season, trying to find his rhythm alongside Williamson. But I think he had a really strong performance tonight and look i'll and you know in this in particular game i'll eat some crow here because i'm pretty low on ingram's fit on the team like i love the yeah. zion and four shooters look i think that that's like how you optimize that team the most but when you get into an environment like this and you're on the road and you need some tough shots and you got like brandon ingram and ingram really stepped up and was able to deliver and like look he's his assist also this season have been really good he's improved as a playmaker um yeah. you know six assists tonight like you get six assists from him and six assists from zion that's a really good night. And then seven from, from CJ uh, and five from Herb Jones, who, who quietly uh, chipped yeah. in 23, five and <laughs> 23, five and five. So, um, yeah. And also was, you know, really tasked with a lot of the defensive work. Keegan Murray gets banged up in this one, has to leave the game. Hopefully yeah. he's okay. He's been battling um, injuries and in with a back issue and it's been, uh, hopefully he's okay. Cause I love watching Keegan Murray, but um, started yeah, off really well too. So yeah. I, overall, I think, uh, an impressive win for the Pelicans kind of shows some of the warts with the Kings, a continuing trend. This is weird last season and it's kind of been true this season. I need to look at the splits, but uh, do you know what the Kings were ranked defensively on the road last season? Defensively on the road, yeah. uh, bottom half of the league, I'd say second best. No kidding. No way. No I kidding. would never have guessed that, but they're 29th at home. Okay. And well, so, weird. yeah, it's a very weird split and that's, you know, that's a, that's an 82, that's last season. That's an 82 game sample. So it's an interesting thing here, but they've had a hard time with uh, getting stops at home. That's been an issue for them uh, in those environments as good as they are at home, because the offense seems to cook. I don't know what it is that causes that problem, but uh, it's just kind of an interesting wrinkle this season at home. The Kings are 22nd uh, in defense at home. And that's usually where you're able to get stops because teams shoot worse on the road. So uh, kind of an interesting wrinkle there uh, as far as the Kings go. And uh, yeah, this is a believer. Are you a believer in Sacramento? Oh boy. That's tough. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't see it. I mean, the, the defensive issues I think are, are important, but I kind of just play to what their identity is, right? Like they, I think, I mean, I don't know if you can quantify or explain that kind of huge disparity in their defensive presence at home, but I think it's just kind of like when they're cooking at home and their offense is going that's just becomes almost a, like the, an obsession for them to just find ways to score and get caught in the emotion. And it's exciting and fun basketball, but at some point you need to be able to kind of take some energy off of that scoring and, and kind of <laughs> invest it in some playing some high level defense. And they just don't seem to do that, especially it seems like at home. So I, I don't know if that's the kind of team that 
that can win in the playoffs if you're just not willing to defend at a high level. I think they probably, you know, I think that there's a lot of um, universes where they beat the Warriors last year, but I don't know <laughs> what happens after that. I think they can make a conference final, but I don't think they can win it. I think that's probably their mm-hmm. ceiling is they need a series of good matchups, pull off an upset, make a conference final. Um, and build off of that, maybe, you know, try and improve the defense going forward. Uh, on the other side, James Harden is back in the news and he's, he's got some more complaints about the Sixers. We'll talk about that. Plus we'll preview the two IST games for the Tuesday slate. We'll do that on the other side here on locked on NBA. Let's talk about game time. Um, for Christmas, my wife wants avalanche tickets. Shout out Locked On Avalanche. She's a big listener of that show. Not my show, just Locked On Avalanche. Uh, so I'm going to get her tickets. I'm going to get them on game time because we started using game time for all the events that we go to here in Denver and we get the absolute best prices and you can get them up to the day of the event, which is so good. Even an hour after it starts, you can walk in and get discounted tickets. Uh, the fight, you can find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, hockey, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. I think I'm going to take my uh, daughter to Bluey in the spring too. Start looking for those tickets on game time with zone deals. You can pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time, download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again, create an account and redeem code locked on NBA L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We'll be right back on Locked on NBA. Final segment here on Locked On NBA. Uh, I did try and use game time to get tickets to U2 at the Sphere as I'm going to the in-season tournament knockout games uh, in Vegas. They are out. They are gone. I should have jumped on them when they were only $500. So, yeah. no, no. I can't I can't wrap my mind. I feel like I'm getting cantankerous, but I just I cannot wrap my mind around that whole sphere for a concert performance. It's amazing. I'm, I want to go so bad, but I, I do not. Maybe I, I, my, my favorite band, the World Fish is playing there. And my friend's like, oh, let's go. And I'm like, nope, give me an open air you know, amphitheater anytime. I cannot be in that enclosed area for that long listening to that music. Sorry. She, she tripped out. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be people losing their minds at that show. Uh, yeah. speaking, of, speaking of losing their minds. James Harden. Uh, James Harden did an interview with the athletic Sam Amick and Sam's got a longstanding relationship with both Harden and Daryl Morey. And so it was interesting to get the perspective there. Um, Harden basically alleges a number of things that he was told by the Sixers that he was getting a max. And um, that was, he said that that was said that they would get a max based off of the agreement. And then here's what's how he puts this. He says, um, so in the past, a week or two after we lose in the playoffs, it would be a, all about trying to figure out how to improve the teams. So he and Daryl would talk about how do we get better? And that's been going on for 10 plus years. And you know what I mean? And then this year there was no, no communication. And at that point it's like, okay, I see what's going on. 
I'm very intelligent. Always a great sign when you're having to tell people that. So then I just figure out what's my next move and what do I want to do? So I understand that at the end of the day, this is a business. And just like he has to do what's best for his organization, I've got to do what's best for me and my family. It's as simple as that. He goes on to basically admit to tampering because he admits that he, he took a meeting with his representation and Ime Odoka of the Houston Rockets and that um, there really wasn't like a, he, he claims that he didn't, it was wrong. It was alleged that he wanted to play basically hard and ball, even though he's playing hard and ball with the Clippers. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on this, David. What was your kind of reaction when you read this piece on Harden and the Athletic? Partly that I just don't really care. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's been no, it really has just been this weird saga. I, I just like just James just it kind of needs to shut up. And like mostly when these types of in depth interviews, and this is not a knock on on Sam at all, obviously because of his relationship. And I understand why he would want to break a story like this. But like I don't know what James' point in all this is. Like you got what you want, you're gonna get your money, you got your opportunity to play in Los Angeles, like. What what is there to clear up now? If your relationship with Daryl is broken, I'm sorry to hear it, but like we don't need to kind of just rehash all those details. And, and I don't think he does himself any favors. I mean, to your point, yes. I mean, I, I think I'm pretty intuitive. I, I I'm very intuitive. I'm a very intuitive person. I can read between the lines, <laughs> and I can see what Harden is trying to accomplish. And I just don't think he gets that point across. Like if he's trying to seem like a victim. That he was played at, you know, played badly by by Daryl and iced out. I think that was the phrase that he used. Like he felt like he was just being left out of any talk about those offseason changes and things of that sort. Like, I, I, I don't how who cares? Like at this point, you're moved on. That relationship seems like it's broken. Maybe they'll repair it at some point. I hope they will, just because I, I like for humans to kind of maintain those friendships whenever they can, if it was actual and real at some point. And, and yet, you know. Why does he need to keep bringing this up? Like, who, who is this going to change? Like, whose mind is he changing? Like, those few hardened stands that are out there, they believe everything he says regardless. I don't think this is going to do anything to kind of sway them in his favor. So it's just, he should have just let sleeping dogs lie as far as I'm concerned. Well, like, Daryl hasn't done a whole thing on this. And so, you know, and he, maybe he will because he, he has a lot of media connections. So um, he's got to respond to this now? You think that's the next step for Daryl? No, I don't think so. I think, I think... Because the thing is, like, Daryl typically does things when there's an advantage to be had. Exactly. And he doesn't, if there's not one, he's going to be like, why, why bother? Like, what's <laughs> what's the point? Here's, yeah. Yeah. The uh, thing I will point out here that I think is very important is the timeline does not match up. And the reason mm -hmm. I say that is Harden says that everything was copacetic and it was, he was going to re-sign with Philly on a max contract after the playoffs. So why is it at Christmas that Adrian Wojnarowski reported that James Harden has interest in the Houston Rockets. Mm. That was the worst kept secret in the league last year. If the Rockets don't hire Ime Udoka, Harden might be there now. He might have opted out and signed there if it wasn't for the fact that they hired Ime Udoka and Ime was like, that's not what, what this team needs. Hmm. That's my it, point here is you can go back and check, like go check out, like do no, a I remember for Adrian Wojnarowski Christmas. James Harden, they reported this was the worst kept. I heard about it in November. I was getting yeah. asked by people, "Hey, have you heard the Harden's going back to to, to Houston?" And I was right. like, "Anyone want to tell Daryl? You know, like, like what is going on here?" Um, and so for Harden to act, my read on this is that this is what happened: is that Harden had what he thought was an offer in hand, and Daryl would never renege on him. 
And so he went and said, well, if I can go back to Houston, because he's got a lot of reasons there. There's been like documented reasons. He's had a, he's had an illness in the family. And if he could be closer and go back to Houston where he was so comfortable with that franchise and just go back and have everything back the way he wanted it and make the max money, why not go do that? Just like forget this whole thing happened. Just go back to Houston. So he pursues that under the radar, but not quietly enough. All right. Maury's going to hear about it gonna find out about it when it's on espn and so at that point daryl Morey's like oh okay so like we had a deal and you're looking elsewhere okay and if that's how this is gonna go at that point daryl Morey is under an obligation to the sixers to pursue the best deal and the best deal was not giving james harden a max contract and so he tried to like manage that but i think at that point i'll say this too that i don't know it, like daryl's thing has just been like I never said that I wasn't going to get like, he never said he wasn't. It was that. And Harden says this. He says, I didn't hear anything. And so I just like decided, you don't, it's like, you don't give the guy that you've worked with for 10 years, like some time. You don't like Damian Lillard was exceptionally patient with a front office that ultimately he feels screwed him over. And maybe that's a good, good reason not to, but uh, all of that, this thing doesn't make sense from Harden's perspective. I'm not saying that uh, Daryl Morey did absolutely everything that everyone would consider to be like, oh, yeah, totally right. great and upstanding. I'm saying right. that the, the timeline doesn't match up. No, uh, I, I oh, yeah, let's, no, let's move on. No, let's move on. <laughs> you're just like, I'm idea. tired of Harden. I'm done. No. I'm out. <laughs> Tomorrow, the two final semifinal games of the in-season tournament before a full slate of games on Wednesday in the NBA. Uh, tomorrow, the New York Knicks take on the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee and the mm-hmm. Phoenix Suns. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Uh, let's start with Knicks Bucks. What are your thoughts on that matchup, and who do you expect to come out of that one? Uh, I think Milwaukee takes that one. I know you said the Knicks were. I, I look. I, I imagine it's going to be an interesting game, seeing the the contrast of two guards there in Brunson and Lillard. Uh, I think Brunson's having a phenomenal year that not enough people are talking about, and I know uh, you know New York's gritty style of play should probably make things a little interesting but i think when you have players like lillard and at the they're gonna get the friendlier whistle i think it could be a clutch game that eventually might be separated by a shot here that's where you get dave lillard he, just precisely for these types of games that might be down to the wire and here you are at home with the opportunity to win it that's why i like milwaukee in this matchup but you said you like the new york knicks why do you like the knicks in this game couple things. One, uh, the Knicks bench is awesome. It continues sure. to just be absolutely terrific. And the Milwaukee bench has been absolutely terrible over the yeah, last good. couple of weeks. And Bucks fans have talked a lot about that, about how bad the bench unit has been. They're also shorthanded. Like some of this is just that they are shorthanded without Pat Conton and Crowder. And so that causes them to be in a spot where um, it gets worse because they do not have that kind of stability for them mm-hmm. to make it through those stretches. Pat Conton and Jay Crowder are both out for this game. Um, the t- second, it is very rare is very rare that I think that an opposing team of Tom Thibodeau is at a coaching disadvantage. The bucks are at a coaching disadvantage here. Um, mm-hmm. there's a under the radar, a lot of questions about what's going on with the Bucks and Adrian Griffin, and sure. they are trying to be patient with a new head coach. That's a rookie first, first year head coach, but it's been rough. And if you watch the games and you watch Brooke Lopez's body language, it tells a story. And so the Bucks are less connected. The Knicks all know what they're doing. They've played under Tibbs for at least a year now. They know what yeah. their roles are. They know how to play together. 
and they play pretty poised. Like when you watch the Knicks, they don't really lose the plot. They play pretty controlled. So the Bucks do have Dame, and it might just be Dame time. And I don't know who's going to guard Giannis because Giannis is Giannis. But that Bucks defense has had major problems figuring out how to execute whatever the scheme is that Adrian Griffin has put together. And the Knicks know what they're doing. And in that environment, I will give the edge to the New York Knicks. So that's kind of my thought. Oh, that's a good take. I, I mean, I, I understand the coaching matchup there. It's an interesting one. Uh, I just think you've got your two superstar players. If this was a seven-game series, I might skew more towards the Knicks. But I think uh, given it's a one-game scenario at home, I like the Bucks in that matchup. In the late game, the the, the big showcase, uh, the Phoenix <laughs> take on the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, the league has to be so happy with this. They get Kevin Durant versus LeBron James in a – island nothing else on no monday night football just like lebron versus katie in the late window uh, i like the lakers in the spot uh, in part because the lakers have started to figure out some of their rotations a little bit better mostly it's that the lakers are really good at home like they've been really good at home i think they're eight and two straight up at home with some very close losses uh they've handled the Suns matchup this season. Now that was with the, the Suns being more shorthanded. Devin Booker's off the injury report, so he'll play in this one. But yeah. um even the Suns have a real hard time. It's funny, the best unit on the court is going to be the Suns offense, but the worst unit on the court is going to be the Suns defense. And so I'm going to take the aggregate and I'll just take the more balanced team with the Los Angeles Lakers, mostly because they're at home here. I think that's right. I, I I like the home team here too, uh, but I I'm kind of wary of a, a huge monster game from Booker because he just seems like he's poised for that kind of thing. Who who starts off defending him on the Lakers side? Is it Reeves? Would he get that matchup right away? It better not be Reeves. I'm gonna be betting every single over on Devin Booker imaginable at Fanduel. Um, I'm trying to think because oh, I bet it's gonna be. I think Cam Reddish is off the injury report. Oh, and, that makes sense. Okay. And so if it's Cam Reddish. Yeah, Cam Rash is off the injury report. Um, it'll be either be Cam or Vanderbilt. So they've got those, they've got more defenders now to throw at those guys, you know, and like there's only so much you could do. They're going to make tough shots, but at least <laughs> if they start Austin Reeves on Devin Booker, man, a lot, <laughs> that's going to go sideways in a, uh, in a hurry. Uh, I also, as I mentioned earlier, I think Christian Wood's going to be able to do damage. Drew Eubanks is the backup center. They don't have any size on the, uh, on the Suns behind Nurkic. Nurkic will do fine uh, versus AD, but the he'll probably get in foul trouble and that's going to cause, I think a lot of problems for the Suns as well, yeah. but we'll Fair see enough. what happens. You can catch the reaction to it tomorrow night here on locked on NBA. That'll do it for us. You can catch David Ramil over at locked on heat. He's at, at the 13 on Twitter. I'm at HP basketball. Appreciate you guys being with us. We'll see you guys again next week. Keep it here all week long for coverage of the in season tournament and all things NBA here on locked on NBA.